Hello there, this is Kevin Pascal and you're tuned into the Hinted Neuron Podcast. Today on the podcast, you hear me talk about Brian Carpenter. He's the author of the book, How to Escape an Insane Asylum. He has been in and out of jail so many times in his life. He has escaped two asylums in his lifetime. And, you know, his story is really amazing. And I wanted to have that discussion with him about what he passed through what he faced. You'll notice that he's not such an eloquent person and you would forgive his voice, but just listen to his story. You could, you know, gain one or two. He's also a funny person at some point. And that is it for Brian Carpenter. If you like this podcast, please leave a review with five stars on Apple Podcasts. Follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Hinted Neuron leave your questions comments or concerns for me about anything on there also share this podcast with your friends with your network you know and those who like to listen to stories to conversations and all those and now i bring to you brian carpenter So I, I guess like there's a lot we, we, we could talk about right now. Let's just start with, with you know, your experience during those phases that you documented in the book. What, what, what was it like to you? And, you know, the whole series, I felt like there was so much. The hardest part about it was being in the cycle never-ending cycle that was non-stop and inescapable um, yeah. of in and out, in and out, in and out, in jail, in the hospital, in jail, in the hospital, in jail. An hour wouldn't go by from being arrested to going to the hospital. I couldn't even walk back home before I got arrested or went back to the hospital. It was crazy. That was the hardest part. You know, your encounter with the police, you said a lot of things about the police and how they treated you. How did you see them, you know, at that particular moment? Because there are so many things you documented about the police. I felt like they treated people in a very inhumane manner. And Yeah, it, policy of must arrest and no yeah. tickets. And you give the homeless people... You arrest the homeless people instead of giving them tickets. And then that's two times you have to go to jail. One for getting the ticket and then the time seeing the judge. And so, and there's no food in jail and you're there for 15 hours. And um, the policy of must arrest is crazy. There's only one time that was that they were really brutal Except for one officer, one officer had his had it out for me. He think I was his little play toy. He tried to break my arm, and I still have this knot in my back from it. But um, he just dropped me off in the jail without a ticket or anything. And they were like, they didn't know why I was there. Um. You know, and the thing is, is being misdiagnosed. A doctor that didn't give a shit, didn't get, get didn't give a, a rat a, a behind, 
for his patients. I know he was paid per commission for a multi-thousand dollar injection. That made me just, that was misdiagnosed completely. He diagnosed me as schizophrenic before he even met me. How is he, how is that possible? That's insane. And the doctor before that asked an hour's worth of questions. And then they changed doctors. And yet here are the nurses wanting to inject me even before I even meet the doctor. Crazy. It's And he changed my diagnosis to be. What? You just look at the police reports and that tells you the, the truth? Um, I don't know. Okay, let's let's I think let's start from the top, you know, the very beginning about how you know your experience started because it's like we started in the middle or towards the end somehow. Let's let's start from the top about how you know how this whole thing started. What brought about? What was your first encounter with you know the police or the the misdiagnosis and all those things? How did it start? Well, honestly, since first grade, I've been taking medication for ADD. And in, in middle school, the medication stopped, the Ritalin, which is a methamphetamine, stopped working. And I started being really serious and angry towards everything and everything. And they couldn't figure out what it was. And I stopped taking meds in high school. What really happened is I went to jail, mm. gave me a med in jail, and then mm. I just kept taking it. And then that just started a snowball. How, how old were you that time? I must have been uh, 24. Yeah, just starting life. Yeah. Go to jail, get prescribed a med, and then it just, and, and you're trying to do good because they say you're supposed to take your meds. But um, when you do, it just causes causes more problems than it creates than it fixes. What what medications were you put on? You know, from the first time and maybe other other times in the. Uh, there's there's a list of them, and the one that was the injection was respiter with spiritol, which was a which was a for schizophrenics, which was in Sistina in Vega was the injection that they gave me that made me go insane. Mm. In top, on top of them building an apartment complex, I told you they were building this apartment complex. Um, the church made a lot of, sold a building and the money was to go to how is uh, section eight, right? Mm. And I was going to get an apartment for about $225 a month right there in, in Santa Barbara, which is right by the ocean. Walk, walk to the beach. Awesome. Um, and all I needed to do was sign my money over to them so that they could take care of my money mm. because they wanted people on medical disability, they can't get their money straight away. They have mm. to have what's called a payee, somebody mm. to take care of them for them. Yeah. yeah. And so they wanted to be my payee and then they wouldn't give me the money for six months. So what am I supposed to do? But one time they said I had to call them every day in order to get my money. What am I supposed to do? Borrow someone's phone. It's harder to borrow a phone than it is a dollar. No, people don't want to their phones out. And so there, so 
That was stupid. And that and the Sister Omega made me stand out and made me go into the hospital over and over again, jail over and over again, weirding people out. Nothing really weird, just weirding people out so they call the cops, you know? Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I think that part really touched me because, you know, when you think about the human nature of selfishness and greed, that you were supposed to help someone who clearly needed your help with the money that was assigned to you that was for that person. And, you know, they still didn't give you and they clearly knew you needed that money because you needed to eat. You talked about having low blood sugar many of the times yeah. and you you couldn't eat. Well, I mean, what am I? They're like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, we have a check for you. It's downtown. What am I supposed to do? Spain ask for people money for the bus to get on the bus, get a check, and then pay 3%. And most of the time, they didn't even offer the check to me. Didn't even get it. You, you also talked about this part of um, a girl being raped at the front of a shop oh. and you were trying to offer help. I, I think that part really, really got me because it was, in, maybe just describe the event in how, what, what, what you felt at that moment, what you were thinking and how everything played out. Yeah, I, I, I did. I wasn't thinking that right. I was going a little insane. It's really late. I'm telling you, having, being that late, it was probably like 3.30 a.m see this girl walking down the street and um, she's just like the party girl, you know, mm. partied hard, you know. And I offer, I'm, I have my bedroll laid out there on the sidewalk because I, I, I had an RV at the time. I didn't say nothing. Okay, uh, let, me, let me get one thing. At, at that point, you were living on the streets. Right. And I had yeah. this, I had this, I had this, 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 bedroll on the mm. street which is my my blankets and stuff and i offered her to sit down you know you need a break and mm. she's like oh as a matter of factly i just got raped fucking wow. sent me into a shock you know and there was nobody open nobody out i didn't have a cell phone so i take her to the 24-hour mexican restaurant and i tell you how what happens there they didn't know how to communicate with me they just knew that i was some trash that needs to be out of their heart and they didn't know why the girl was with me she knew they're just judging her too and cop comes in full blazing with a gun out jimmy mm. christmas scared the shit out of us i went to jail and i never saw her again just for trying to help someone who who was ripped at that point. He needed to call 911. And the people behind the counter refused to speak English enough for me to get the phone and denied the phone. I need to call 911. So I grabbed the straws and that were right there and threw it at him. So they would call 911. You, you, you also said that girl later ended up in jail. Yeah, I did. I saw her in the suicide tank. That, that's that's seen. What was the suicide tank? So padded room. You see, most of the time you see them in 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 movies. Padded room for insane hospitals. Insane mm. hospitals don't look like that. That's what it looks like in the jail. Mm. That's 
maybe state hospitals. I never been to a state hospital, but um, the brown padded room or the white padded room, yeah, with a with a grate in the bottom to piss and shit in. Yeah, uh, and sometimes throughout the years they only give you one meal a day or or whatnot. I don't I don't know often that time it was, but um, and they're naked, but naked, yeah. And they were the window was open. It's crazy. She was screaming Whoa. like crazy, and I overheard the cops talking about how, yeah, they DNA tested me. So what? Mm. I, you know the DNA. Why the DNA? Because they thought you were the, person, the 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 one who committed the crime. Well, they didn't even know. They were just shooting at straws. You know. Mm. I don't know how much the girl said. Hopefully, she did talk about it. No, we're able to find perpetrator. DNA test me all you want. I mean, um, but still, it was like an insult. You know. Here I am trying to get a phone and get a gun drawn on me. This mm. Mexican cop didn't even know what the hell was going on. But mm. I was the, the something worth shit. That's scary. Before we enter into a mental health discussion, I think let's let's go back to something you said in the book about the Mormons and the Catholics. You were trying to like compare their generosity to you or to around that particular time. What was your experience with both the Mormons and the so, Catholics? I was raised uh, Mormon. Okay, I, mm. I don't want. I get this into this into this into my podcast, immortalself.org. But mm. uh, Mormons um, have a. If you're a member of a Mormon, then they'll help you. But if you're not a member, then they just stick to their own. Catholics, they had the dinners and everything like that. There never mm. was a charity dinner that the Mormons put on, and yeah, you know, and and the Catholics did. One time, I was a little confused, and I took some started confused some cops one time as I there was some you know those old children children like children toys, right? Yeah, yeah. They're old and beaten mm. up and sun worn. I would just grab some and, and put them on the Mormon from the Catholic church to the Mormon church property. And it just mm. confused people and didn't know why I was doing that. And I think they were accusing me of theft or something. Mm. I don't know. It just was, I was going, I was, I was not thinking clearly, but I mm -hmm. think it was an ask for help. You, you are, you are medications that time. You know, yeah, um, I, um, I was on some, it could have been on medication. Now, all of this is not, I never touched, um, any of the hard drugs. I used to smoke weed. And I never mm. touched the hard drugs. I, I was raised on Ritalin and I don't need that shit. Mm. So what was it like with the Catholics? Because you, you documented a good account for them. Well, um, it was really, they really uh, tried to help out as much as they could. Um, they had the Monday dinner mm. and they had a, and they had a Monday through Friday lunch at a different Catholic, at the 
at the Universal Catholic Church. They had a Monday through Friday lunch that they brought mm. from downtown and uh, had it at the church. And now, since then, they they renovated and built a kitchen there uh, because the kitchen that was supplying the, the food shut down. Mm. And then there was always a Monday night dinner with the Orthodox, Greek Orthodox Catholic Church. And the Greek Orthodox, um, there's Doc, Father John in there, which I talk about a lot. And I probably was a little harsh on him in the book. At the time, I was angry. Um, but um, he is the one that signed me up for the apartment complexes that were going to be built there. Because he's a local resident of the Isla Vista community. Yeah, is a figurehead in the in the in the community as Father John, a Greek Orthodox pastor who happened to be a cop and older gentleman. He's probably in his early late sixties by now, mm. and and um, he signed me up to get there into the apartment complex, but he just signed me over to the paperwork to the lawyers. Mm. It never did anything. You know what I'm mm. saying? And so he never took responsibility for what he was representing. You know what I'm saying? So, so he, I never ended up being able to live. I would be in Isla Vista right now on the beach right now. But I guess with COVID, I'm, I'm better now. Mm. Here. In the best spot of my life right now, I got everything that I wanted. I don't even have money worries anymore. I'm in Utah right now, and um, I'm just focusing on being a podcaster, being an author, maybe doing some real estate deals. Mm. That was really, really good. That was really good. So let let's talk about mental health, and you know your experience with how people treat it badly and people don't, you know, acknowledge that it's a real thing that people are fighting with and what you suffered at that point. I'm, 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 I consider myself having uh, uh, autism, Asperger's. I'm high-functioning on the spectrum. And, you know, mm. with a broken arm, people can see that you're, you got a broken arm and can't, open the door or whatever. But if you got like a broken brain with one of these diagnoses, it's really hard, harder because it's harder to show that there's a problem, that you actually have a have a thing. Because, well, I mean, the thing is, is I just come off, I could come off of really weird sometimes and I say the weirdest things. And, um, be really off-putting until you get to know me. Mm. I don't know mental health. The stigma about that is is really is really uh, difficult. Um, mental health with for me, I've seen girls that are depressed, and I wish there was something that I can do to fix it. And me most of the time people just say have you taken your meds have you taken your meds like they're concerned but like that's what's supposed to fix it well medication only helps so far it only 
you know what I'm saying? And just because you don't understand what I'm saying doesn't mean I I need to take my meds. I hate that when my friends or my mom or somebody says, you've taken your meds. I just got to swallow my pride and be like, think about it. It hurts. For before you got into the LA asylum, you know, I, I think you were in the Los Angeles asylum. Yeah, I was in the San Jose one and an LA one. Ooh, that LA one was, I thought the San Jose was bad. The LA one was horrible. What was your experience there? You know, because you, you also said we couldn't things. walk. We couldn't, you can't walk by that, 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 that place. Max uh, exceeded fire hazard capacity. Guarantee mm. Guarantee mm. Five people stuck to a room, four people stuck to a room, little curtains, and then the beds take up all the whole space. And then dinner, you wait for an hour in line. The hell is that? So that was really some kind of, you know, mass. They were just trying to get people, as much people as they can away from the streets. And, you know, I'm not really catered for doing well. Bureaucrats don't know how horrible it is. And most of those people are not really that. Most of those people don't have any way to take care of themselves. Yeah. But mm. most of those people, but that doesn't mean that you gotta treat them like the lower runs of society, like they're broken laws mm-hmm. and they need to be punished for being in jail. No, build a freaking huge ass, huge, you know, facility with, with parks and stuff. And why does it have to be a, a warehouse? Yeah. So it was actually a warehouse. Oh yeah, and I was in a multi. I was in a split, male and female, COVID, and then they moved me to the male room. And after I got to the male room, I was like, uh uh-uh, uh, no way. And then I, like I said, I fainted. No way, I wasn't gonna be there. I wasn't gonna be there. No way, because that place, I couldn't walk out. There was nowhere to stand. Nowhere. Mm-hmm to stand what am i supposed to do laying on my bed all day long and all night long and 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 then with the medications too oh the asylum had no medications yeah and the doctor yeah there was four months i'm in the hospital without med and then some doctor comes in on the weekend i mean barbara oh he needs meds that I'm needing after four months of being just fine he's going to inject me with the long acting medication it would start the problem all over again what what was it like to in um, what was it like with other with other inmates would I call them inmates it was now? pretty cool um, in San Jose it was pretty cool we just Hung around and hung around. A lot of people I couldn't really have good conversations with. They weren't 
bright enough to have a conversation with. There were some people that I could, and just my favorite time of smoke break where we could be outside and have our cigarettes, and it was our favorite time. We were just waiting for the next smoke break, all of us. <laughs> yeah. So in the asylum, the only free time you had to go outside was the smoke break. How how long was that? Yeah. Um, enough to smoke two cigarettes, about 10 minutes. Yeah. So when how how did you escape? So, okay, so there's a couple of ways, right? So I was conserved, yeah. which means mm. they took away my rights. And the title of the book is How to Escape in Insane Asylum. So I guess yeah. I'll give that away. The yeah. thing is, is, is one time I was in San Jose and I earned the right to go to 7-Eleven every once in a while um, mm. to leave the facility and leave. and leave. Mm. So then I wanted mm. to get on the bus and go. But then they had all my money, so I went back. Or at least I tried to go back. And then um, when I uh was arrested in 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 Barbara barricading the door or uh refusing the ins- injection mm-hmm. after three months of not having meds. I didn't want an injection. Take a pill, but you can't give me something that's permanent for a month and a half. Um yeah. Anyway, I barricaded myself in that room, and and um, they called the cops to negotiate me out of there. The, and then the judge let me out, and then I was free. You know, the worst part of it, they didn't take care of any of my finances, and I still, to this day, my bank account is frozen because I have a charge for breaking a window in the hospital. Six thousand dollars for breaking an unbreakable window, and yet my accounts are frozen because I don't have access to the money to pay it. You know, and mm. I keep telling my PEs to pay it, but the county makes it so impossibly hard to remember to pay it. You have to do it one once, one at a time, and then they just the county eventually freezes my bank account. Because, and I'm in conserved, I have no rights, I have less rights than a minor. Mm. They can't take care of my finances for me, my credit, my, any of, I get out of jail with a warrant. Get out mm. of that. The judge says, well, the mental health wants to keep you in jail. They can't keep you in the hospital. So hospitals left for you. I'm not keeping you in jail. That's illegal. You ain't done nothing wrong. Get out. There's the go to the shelter. And so after I get to the shelter, the shelter says you got three days in the shelter. Yeah. And you have to be out of the shelter for five days. And you can come back for another three. I call my mom and I get a bus ticket to Utah. As soon as I left the state of Utah, I was not conserved anymore. And the act that removed my rights. Well. Because it was no longer in Utah. Well, what you told me now sounded really, really painful because, you know, they wanted to give you medications that would last for more than a month. 
Uh, and they had no idea if that was my diagnosis. They were just assuming, just assuming. You know, you 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 came out from the asylum, and you know, uh, just like you said in the book, you 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 actually applied for the rights to have your own education, to start writing, and to start doing stuff. How 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 was all that experience? Because as you documented, it took almost a year or more than that. Yeah, I mean. I mean, I was in and served for about a year and a half, I think, all in all, um, being locked up for a year and a half. And uh, you just, if you don't take the meds, they force you down and put put them in your butt. So, so how, how, you know, when they granted you your rights to education, was it when you started to write the book? Oh, education. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to be a paralegal. I wanted I wanted something to do because I like to keep my mind busy, and I wanted to be a paralegal. But the conservator completely refused to work with me there, and never answered the phone. All the correspondence that I had through the school, it was my right. It's posted on the door. I have the right to education. And if I can afford it, I can have it. And I had $3,000. I can afford $700 for a paralegal course. And it takes what, them 10 months to write them a check. And I call the, 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 the course people and they're like, they saw it. I'm doing everything I can. I don't know what to tell you. You know, and I just don't know. It was the stupidest income. Incompetence, malfeasance, and misfeasance. It's on purpose. I want to sue, I would sue him for misfeasance, which means neglect, neglectful mm. behavior unknowingly, and malfeasance, neglectful mm. uh, behavior knowingly, because they just were just put him there and do nothing afterwards. Why nothing got taken care of? I had, but my life, you know, I could have gotten out of the jail out of being, how am I? They had no hope for me being cured, no hope for me being real, rehabilitated. Just lock them up forever. No hope for him whatsoever. And I just, I, it's astounding. Yeah, it's, it's it's really astounding because you know, look at you now. You're writing. You have you have podcast, and you're trying to tell your own story. And I th- I think that's pretty sound because you know they denied you of so many rights. Even in the the San the San Jose um, medical facility, they they didn't allow you to pay because you talked about an illegal pay phone privilege. You you want to talk a bit on that? Oh yeah, you gotta call the you you gotta con the. Payphone. When was the last time you saw a payphone? And yeah, you got to use the payphone there. And no, you got to have quarters or you got to call the leg, call your family. Mm. Stupid. That, there, and all of us hospitals. How much does it cost to put in a real phone? I think it was just like whole corruption and neglect. And, you know, I think it was purposeful neglect on. Because they, uh-huh. they just see people who they feel are kind of, you know, just 
they they have no need for them something like that yeah it's just like no it's just like it was a burden we didn't need to be a burden on society yeah we could have you know we're not the people that work there didn't have to dread coming to work mm. you know why are we doing this drudgery most of these people you know didn't have to be like that nowadays it's still full you're waiting years in a cute facility or a short-term facility for these conservatorships that they're doing in order to go to a long-term facility that there's no room yeah, yeah. So, what what year was that? What year were you freed from the facility, the LA facility? Two thousand sixteen, I think. Two thousand sixteen. Two thousand sixteen, and when when did you start to advocate for mental health? I published my book um, May two thousand nineteen. May two thousand nineteen. Means you you already did some of those courses you 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 long wanted to do at that point yeah yeah yeah. i'm done with paralegal courses now yes yeah. i finished them i've also done an advanced course in real estate by now yeah yeah that's that's pretty that's like a big advancement you know going from your whole story from what i saw and i, I think that's like a testament to like anybody could really come out yeah, from the thing is is what's weird is that they have you totally cut off from society yeah. we didn't even have a computer i didn't have access to the internet mm. we weren't allowed to have a phone mm. we weren't allowed to have a phone we weren't allowed to get online we weren't allowed any of that and yet we're supposed to be how are we supposed to ever be rehabilitated or becoming so i mean i figured I'll get my paralegal course and maybe it'll suck being, you know, kind of in this facility, but at least I'll have meals and I won't be going to jail anymore and this and that. I don't even have internet access and they wouldn't give me my courses. Courses were paper books and I would fill out a paper form and mail it back. So it was meant for people in jail. But, um, but oh, it wouldn't have done no good. I wouldn't be able to be a paralegal. Could have done that for the rest of my life if they they let me have. I could have been in Northern California right now. That, that that's a lot, though. Where, where when you escaped the asylum, where did you go to reside? Oh, when I was uh in San Jose, I made my way through the buses and the trains to um. Berkeley, California. That was pretty cool. Likes Berkeley. I go back. Um, and then I turned myself into a, the hospital. I didn't have money, and I wasn't gonna be having another cycle all over again in a brand new city. Cops, I don't know. Um, I wanted. My mom was the biggest reason why. She's like, you gotta be go back. And kind of thing. And they ran away. Your 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 parents the, were... The hospital was like, why are you coming back? You're yeah. just fine. Mm. Like, well, yeah, maybe now. But 
your your parents weren't in support of you leaving the facility at that time. Yeah, my mom wanted me to stay there, and like she didn't. She just thought it was gonna come and get fixed, but it never would have. Psychiatrists don't do shit. There's no therapy. There's no way. There's no re. There's nothing to. Just assuming that you're gonna be there for the rest of your life, basically. Yeah. So they they weren't even trying. Um, some kind uh, of good. No, it was everyone gave up, lost hope. There's much, but you, you, all you lose your hope. Just sign above the door, and yeah, you know, honestly, because it was bad. Sometimes I would rather be in jail. There, the food was better than the in the hospital. Mm. But in jail, at least I can have coffee. Yeah. What's one thing you think we should talk about that I haven't asked? Well, I, was, I liked isolation the best because it's hard mm. getting along, being in jail, jam-packed with a bunch of people. I mean, I'm there for trespassing and hanging out with murderers. Mm. Someone that just killed someone once. A couple of people. And I'm there for trespassing. You know what I'm saying? Mm. How was jail like? I mean, the whole environment, the the whole climb of gym of of jail. How was jail like? Oh, it's a dirty, sweaty, concrete everywhere cave, concrete cave. Yeah, and then most. Dirty, smelly. It's not really a place that you like to be. Even the workers, even the guards don't really want to be there. Um, it's mostly just a lot of waiting to do nothing. And then you get your food and you're barely, you're not even, you're waiting all day. Get your dinner or your lunch or your breakfast. And then it's disgusting. Mm. And then. It's gone before you know it. You're not even full. And the hardest part is keeping a cool with everybody around you. That's the hardest part. Because everyone's so jacked up. You know, so many people, people could be coming off of drugs or something like that, too. And, and you, you just got to be really careful about what you do. You can end up with your your teeth broken, your jaw wired shut. I went, I went in there, and this kid had his jaw wired shut. He had to eat. He had to eat blended food. That stuff was disgusting. It's the same wow. stuff that we eat. Still disgusting, mm. with a little added water, and it's just blended. He's supposed to eat Jeez. it because he, he had his jaw arch shut because he mouthed off to the wrong person. You know what I'm saying? A little prey. Yeah, you got to be careful. When, when it comes down time to it, what happened? You didn't say anything either. Then well, you can't go anywhere. That's that's really insane. Like, I oh, I was. Did I talk about the time in my book to talk about the time I, I this kid grabbed a knife or he had a, a razor and he slit his slit his wrist open and there's blood going yeah 
he slit his wrist and there's blood everywhere, going everywhere and everything. Cops called that real quick. And and they never got the person who did it. He did it to himself. Wow. He was committing suicide. Wow. Blood going everywhere. It was, it was nasty. Then they're like, or your rear, 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 hit everyone in your bunks. <laughs> and we go in your bunks that come in and talk, taser them. <laughs> wow. I think that was really such an adventure. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm done with it. I'm done. I'm so happy. I don't really give a <laughs> rat's and who wins the election now. I'm done with my activism, my politicizing. I want mental health and Black Lives Matter, but mental health is my my true cause now. You know, because the thing is, is, it's so insidious. I think. Uh, it's really sad when people suffer from depression or bipolar or any of that and can't get a grips on it and go to drugs and self-medicate. Yeah, I, I, you know, and, and you know, I, I think, and it's downplayed a lot or it's been laughed at and not taken too seriously by people and others, even, you know, people around those who suffer from this kind of mental health issues and and illness well you know your brain chemistry is wrong your brain chemistry is wrong and you're not enjoying it either you know mm. anyway. so what, what 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 do you feel right now because you've been in jail you've been in a mental health asylum you've been you've lived on the streets you've you know you've had so much of these experiences in your own life I think you've seen life to a certain extent. You should have thought about things that really happen to we as humans. What What do you think is the meaning of life? Well, I think the uh, purpose of life is happiness. Hmm. The meaning of life is is which you give your purpose in life too. So it's really, I think. I have a whole podcast at immortalself.org dedicated mm. to the idea that being happy is a choice. And no matter mm. like what's going on, your thoughts can influence on if you're happy or not. Mm. Um, and really you choose to be happy. Yeah, um, it helps having freedoms and stuff like that. But even with everything, it, you don't care happiness. You have to have it yeah. as an inner 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 joy. Mm. You know, we are getting close to this conversation now. I know. I just like to ask, you know, my guest on the podcast to just say anything they want for the. For the listeners to hear anything at all for one minute, anything you want the listeners to know or hear? Well, no, um, I really appreciate you listening to my good, uh, my friend here and listening to his podcast. I know he enjoys it. And thank you for listening to me so yeah. far. Um, I hope it gives you a little insight in, insight into what it was. 
to have this revolving door. It really was a revolving door. And there's this guy that says, this TV evangelist that says, when you're drowning, you don't need somebody to teach you how to swim. You need, when you're drowning, you need somebody to pick you up and save you from drowning. And so, I mean, that's what they were trying to do. You know, they were just trying to remove my responsibilities so far, so much, so that I couldn't even be in society. Mm. Please buy my book, uh, How to Escape an Insane Asylum by Brian Carpenter. Yes, by Brian Carpenter. I would also post your links in the description to your Amazon books and to your social media and to your website. I'll post them in the descriptions for the listeners and they could always check it. Great. Yes. Yeah, my social links are at brian.gives. Brian.gives. Yeah. They're all my social yeah. links. Yeah, thank I you. have them. So thank you for sharing your story with us and, you know, your experience for this time you gave to me. I appreciate it. Hey there, I hope you liked my conversation with Brian Carpenter. And thank you for listening to the end. If you want to know more about Brian Carpenter, you just check the links in the description. I have a link to his books and to his um, social profile. Also, follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Inted Neuron. Let's always keep conversations there if you have questions, comments, or concerns. Thank you to everybody that has been supporting my journey in this podcast. You know, subscribers, listeners, all of you. I see you and thank you so, so much. That's it for me this week. And until then, stay curious.